program. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chris Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chris Meyer. Are you ready for a great moral reset? A great moral reset. I came across a piece that says, In gay we trust. The great moral reset. In gay, we trust the great moral reset. The article says that what our country desperately needs is a moral reset. I've watched with horror our institutions being destroyed, the press vilified, truth and science undermined, empathy eradicated, people of responsibility abdicating, meanness rewarded. I've longed for someone with the authority and moral stature to stand up and say, no, this is not right. Our country is at a reflection point. The writer goes on to say, and we have to finally admit we need help. We need a higher power. We must find our moral leader, the moral leader for all of us. We need a person we can turn to, a unifying force who with wisdom and candor, will guide us to our better selves. The moral bacon, (coughs) excuse me, the moral beacon, can't be an elected official. So suspect we are of the other side. No, our new moral leader won't be drawn into partisan fights or petty attacks, but instead will be the person who lowers our temperatures and helps focus us. It will be a prophet, not a profiteer who makes us understand that our prosperity is rooted in our healing. Not the insistent tweeter frantically monitoring social media, always at the ready to jump into every conflict and every dust-up. We need someone to clarify for us what is indeed important. It can't be a clergy person who hails from a religion predicated on exclusion. And it's not God. Too many insist God's only on their side. So we need the person who can who can heal the cancer and the hate and replace it with love. The writer goes on to say, in conclusion, <coughs> our moral leader will lift us up out of our daily poisonous battles to a higher common ground. My hope is we usher up from the ashes of our near-ruined nation a figure of historic dimension a person that will inoculate us against the worst of our nature and deliver us to the land of reason and truth and kindness and care. The search is on for our person. Or is it all of us? That's the article, friends, and I found it quite fascinating. The headline, In Gay We Trust, The Great Moral Reset. We're hearing a lot about the Great Reset, the Great Economic Reset, the global reset, everything is being reset. Did you notice that? Maybe you haven't quite realized it yet. But everything is being reset. But is it being reset in a way that is going to bring about what people hope it will bring about? I don't think so. But today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a look at how this great moral reset is taking place. 
We're going to trace it back. We're going to look at a number of different illustrations and other different situations. And we're going to look at how this has taken place. And in whom is this great reset going to rest? Who is going to be the great leader of the great moral reset? Who do you think will be? Will it be you? Will it be your pastor? Will it be another president of the United States? A congressman? A senator? The head of the United Nations? Who will it be? The head of the great moral reset. The person already said it can't be God because he's partisan. So it's going to have to be a person who is not like God. So they won't be partisan or it won't appear to be partisan because of those who will reject if he doesn't approve their attitude, their outlook, their viewpoint. So the person is going to have to embrace virtually every viewpoint. Going to have to be inclusive of nearly everyone, which necessarily will mean exclusive of those who don't agree. Is it possible to find such a person? Is it possible there could be a great moral reset? And if so, what would it look like? All of that here on Viewpoint Today, even as we understand that the great activist for moral authority in America and the world manifested herself as a famous U.S. soccer star at the Met Gala in New York City on Monday night. Her name is Megan Rapinoe. Perhaps you've heard about her. Perhaps you know about her shenanigans. Perhaps you know how she virtually forced everyone on the U.S. female soccer team at the Olympics to take a knee because she was the captain and virtually captain of their souls. She said, we have to take a knee, but in the process, they suffered a horrific loss, a humiliating loss. Totally unexpected. I wonder if it's because of her new moral reset. In any event, she appeared at the Met Gala with O-S-A-O-S-A-O-C. You know, AOC showed up saying tax the rich on her expensive gown at the $30,000 a ticket event. But Rapineau also appeared at the 30000 ticket event, $30,000 ticket event, and she wore a red, white, and blue pantsuit. And with it, she carried a clutch purse that she held up provocatively to make sure it was photographed as she entered. And on that purse read, In Gay We Trust. In gay, not God, in gay we trust. That was her declaration of the new moral reset. Now, the Associated Press coverage of the fashion gala gushed over Rapinoe's appearance, saying that she looked smashing in her bright red silk Sergio Hudson pantsuit with a royal blue blouse emblazoned with white stars. 
and she nailed Monday's evening, Monday evening's sartorial theme, American Independence. Hmm. She nailed it. She declared, on behalf of America, America's new independence. Independence from God and trusting God to, in gay, we trust. Hence, the great moral reset is being not only declared by individual figures, but also appropriated and celebrated by our news media. How much further does it have to go? Will it enter the church? It already has. Stay tuned, friends. The Great Moral Reset, straight ahead. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. The Great Moral Reset, I took the opportunity, friends, to check on the famous Google connection concerning the term, in gay we trust. And I found that that phrase actually had been repeated a number of times. For instance, I'm looking right now at a, well, it's supposed to be a limited edition print by Nadine Farage, in gay, we trust. It's a modified, risque drawing, mixture of a photograph and a drawing and so on, of a woman, breasts blazing, with the words, in gay, we trust, scribbled on top. It's supposed to be art. Then, in addition to that, I found another article. In gay, we trust. Queer liberation is far from over. You can't social distance from injustice, they say. You can't shelter in place during oppression. So the writer goes on, and as I read this full article, I thought, you know what? This really isn't making very much sense. So I read further and scanned to find out what the person really thought. And here's what they really thought. In order to achieve the great moral reset, we have to have freedom from religion. An expansive reading of freedom from religion is the right one. He said, not only is now not the time to relent, the writer said it is the time to widen our understanding of what LGBTQ plus issues really mean. And we'll do it by expanding our queerness. Now that's, I didn't say it, that's what this person wrote. We will do it by expanding our queerness. So this is a major part then by declaration of the great moral reset. How do you feel about that? 
Does it sound uh, something you could agree to? Something you would like to uh, see spread even more predominantly across the nation to become a uh, a declaration, so to speak, of independence or dependence where we depend on the ever-expansion of queerness to unite and provide prosperity and direction and hope for our country. That's what they're saying. Now, that came from a history that goes back into about 1980, the mid-1980s, where the word homosexual actually was the term that was generally used. And the homosexual movement developed, and it was a matter of whether or not we would be concerned and accepting of people who had same-sex attraction. Now, in a sense, you can't help to what you're attracted. The, pres- the, the problem isn't, what am I attracted to, but what am I acting on that I'm attracted to? For instance, if I'm attracted to violence, does that give me an authorization to, to violence? If I'm attracted to steal or to envy or to covet, does that give me the license to steal, to envy, and to covet? But that's exactly what these folk are saying. It's the new moral reset, the great new moral reset. And it began actually, one might say, most predominantly in the 1960s with the so-called hippie movement, which was aligned with the free sex uh, movement and uh the movement of introduction of drugs and uh, Hinduism and so on, all of these things woven together in the hippie movement and uh, the free love sexual revolution of the 1960s. That in the midst of it all was a rebellion against God as creator and his authority. Because those things, those attitudes, those behaviors, the free love, uh, sexual revolution, and so on, could not be carried on with any degree of uh, uh, integrity in the minds and hearts of the people if they had not first rejected the authority of their creator in order to justify what they were doing their new thinking, their new belief system, their new moral reset. Unfortunately, those who are in the baby boomer generation, those who are in the baby boomer generation actually are the descendants. They are the hippies. And then their children inherited the thinking, the lifestyle, the behavior, the attitudes, the moral reset that was taking place through their parents, the baby boomers, and then the children of those people, that is the grandchildren of the baby boomers, took it even further. Now we are at the point of the millennial generation followed by Generation Z, which sociologists are telling us is the most godless, the most 
non-fearing God generation in the history of the country. Now, what would you expect to happen if, when that uh, trajectory takes place over a period of about 60, 70 years? Would you not expect there to be a great moral reset? In fact, that's exactly what's happened. It is a great moral reset. And it's going along with the concept of the great reset that Klaus Schaub uh, there of the World Economic Forum has decreed for the nation to be effectuated in its fullness by the year 2030. It also goes along with the United Nations Agenda 2030. Uh, set to fulfill the United Nations view of the complete restructuring of our world by that year, 2030. That's less than eight and a half years from now. That's why we're talking about it, because unless we can bring this into a perspective that truly makes sense to us, we can put a frame around it so that it highlights the urgency, the uh, prophetic and provocativeness of this subject, of this issue, we won't pay attention to it. So the question is, are we ready yet to pay attention to it? Now remember, this writer that we opened with in Gay We Trust, the great moral reset, says we're looking for a person. We're looking for a some for someone. We need a person we can turn to, a unifying force with wisdom and candor that will guide us to our better selves. A higher power, a moral leader for all of us, because our country is at a reflection point. Well, it's not just our country that's at a reflection point. It's the whole world. It's the whole world. Jesus said in... Uh, The book of Luke, I think it's chapter 21, he said, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be just before the second coming. Then he also went on to say, And as it was in the days of Lot, so will it be just before my second coming. In other words, the days of Lot were the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where we get the name sodomy and a sodomizer from. It has always considered to be utter and total wickedness, utter and total desecration of the created order. Now, what was called desecration historically is now celebrated as a indicia of the great moral reset, so that Megan Rapinoe can declare publicly in the most auspicious circumstances at the Met, where they pay $30,000 a ticket, and she can declare, in gay, we trust. Now, that takes a certain amount of chutzpah, And that's exactly where we are now. That's how far this so-called moral reset has gone. There's no longer any inhibition. 
we can now openly, notoriously, egregiously blaspheme the God of creation. That's what she did. But the blasphemy of the God of creation didn't begin with her words. It began with her beliefs and the attitude that she carries that to live a, as they say, queer. The very name tells you that it's not proper. It's queer. It's off. It's not normal. It's not regular. It's not according to creation. It's queer. That's why they use the term. That's what it means. And so, by definition, by the the words that are used, it is a declaration, yes, it is not in conjunction with the created order, and yet we're going to approve it anyway. Now, the Apostle Paul spoke about this situation in Romans chapter 1, and he said, not only are those who do these things subject to eternal judgment, but also those who approve or go along with what they are doing. So you don't necessarily have to be an open participant in the homosexual movement, or as they say, the gay movement, or the queer movement. You don't have to be an open participant if you approve either openly or tacitly you are as guilty before God as one who actually carries out the actions. Romans chapter 1, right at the end of the chapter. Oh, but we're not finished yet. We need to talk about why this is happening. And by the way, we're going to go way beyond this in the second half of the program, so I hope you'll stay tuned. Because the application of this is so great, so vast, that uh, we really don't want to go there. We don't really want to go there. Oh, but we need to go there because that's why we're in the problem, in the trouble we're in. The song of old said, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. Oh, yes, we know. We know. And by the time you're through today, you will know even the more so what the nature of this great moral reset is, and how even professing Christians and their pastors are complicit in it. And you don't have to be part of the liberal movement. You don't have to be part of the H, HGTVQ or LGBTQ. You don't have to be part of any of these movements in order to have truly become complicit in the greater moral reset. And that's why the message of repentance that came yesterday on Yom Kippur was so important. Because if we don't get it, there will be no hope. The great moral reset will be have adopt will have been adopted by the majority of humankind and will usher in a counterfeit Christ figure who will fulfill the cry of the party who says we desperately need a higher power, somebody, a moral leader that we can trust, who will uh, help to turn us and be a unifying force and all of that. 
That's who he will be. And he'll gain the kingdom, the uh, the prophet Daniel said, by flattery. That's why you need to get a copy of my book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. $22. We'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. As people are reading that book, their eyes are being opened. They realize this is not just a piece of information. This is a really big deal for every one of us. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Always a delight to be able to chat with you here on Viewpoint, confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective, not from Megan Rapinoe's perspective, not from any other human being's perspective, but from God's perspective. Here's what God has to say about how we got in this mess. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 8.13 The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It doesn't say to hate people. It says to hate evil. The problem is we don't hate evil anymore. No, we have come to the place where we play footsie with evil. We kind of toss it around, play games with it. Uh, we accept it. We, uh, we say, well, you know, that's just the way they are. Or uh, we try to replace the hate of the evil with a compassion for the person and Eventually, we don't hate the evil anymore. So if we don't hate evil, then what we end up doing is facilitating what Paul, the Apostle Paul, said to Timothy. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But friends, that's not just happening in the secular world. That's happening and has been happening from the 1960s onward in the very heart of our churches, in the heart of our ministries. 
we have come to the place where we disagree with God's viewpoint that we should hate evil. Or we choose certain kinds of evil that we are to hate. For instance, we will hate the practice of homosexuality, but we won't hate that which preceded it, which was divorce and remarriage. We won't hate that because that's more common in the church. But we will hate the practice of homosexuality, or we will hate abortion. But we won't hate these other things. So in other words, we have selective hatred because we don't agree with God's viewpoint on all of the issues of life. We have become selective in being accomplices in the great moral reset. And when we do that, we actually are exalting ourselves and are a viewpoint as equal to or superior to God's viewpoint. That's exactly what Satan did. That's what he got Eve to do in the garden by asking, hath God said? And basically she said, yes, but. That's what we're saying. Yes, but. Don't you understand our times? Don't you understand my feelings? Don't you understand my friend? Don't you understand this? Don't you understand that? Don't you have any compassion? Those are the answers you get. The problem is that God says that blessing follows the fear of the Lord. In fact, you may not realize it, but God makes no promise of blessing, success, or prosperity to those who do not truly fear him. Blessing also follows obedience, since anyone who truly fears the Lord will obey him. That's the synergy of Scripture, and it results in genuine trust and developing of love and further obedience followed by increased favor of the Lord. So, if we were to go to Psalm 112, it's one of my favorites, and it starts like this, Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. Blessed is the man or woman that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. Not that equivocates over what God says, but delights in it, agrees with it. So, the root problem is we have abandoned the fear of the Lord. From the church house to the White House, the schoolhouse, the courthouse, and maybe even your house. People don't like that term. We've talked about this a number of times here on the program, and what is fascinating is that people just don't want to go there. Even though God, over and over a time, has talked about how important the fear of the Lord is, that it's the foundation for every single promise in the Bible, including salvation itself. In fact, chapter 11 of my book, The Secret of the Lord, The Hidden Truth That Defines Your Destiny, is called Seeking the Secret. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, said Joshua, and serve him in sincerity and truth. Fear the Lord and then serve him in sincerity and truth. So it's obvious most are not going to seek. Most people are not really interested in actually discovering the secret of the Lord, in discerning the solutions that enable them to circumvent the the process of seeking. That's what they're looking for. 
They're looking for loopholes. Those are the real legalists. The legalists are those who will go to the Word of God and say, well, I really want to have this outcome, so I'm going to look for ways to justify what I want to do or what I want to approve for my friend, my my mother, my father, my brother, uh, whatever I want to approve, I'm going to look for a way to justify it. It's called loophole living. That's not living in the fear of the Lord. It's not dealing with integrity. It is total legalism. But God gave us a promise that if we will fear him, we will receive his covenant blessings, which are called his secret to those who truly fear him. So in Psalm 25, 14, it says the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And to them, and them only, is he going to manifest, show, reveal his covenant. So it's up to you. It's up to me. In my book, The Secret of the Lord, The Hidden Truth That Defines Your Destiny, which is all talking about the fear of the Lord, is a whole list of scriptures that talk about the amazing promises that God has issuing from the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom protects from evil, foundation of worship, root of obedience, basis of leadership, source of confidence, fountain of life, prolonging days, source of gladness, source of healing, condition of God's honor, promise of provision, banner of protection, hope of salvation, condition of mercy, heart of compassion, fountain of blessing, promise of prosperity, wellspring of well-being. That's just for starters. So, I want to urge you, if you don't already have the book, if you haven't read it, get a copy of the book, The Secret of the Lord, The Hidden Truth That Defines Your Destiny. It's a hardbound book, $20 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879. Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for uh, postage to handing by. By the way, if you recoil from that message, you are actually admitting to yourself, you're admitting that you don't really want to know about it because you fear what you fear more than the Lord. You don't want to get that close. That's the problem. And that's why we are experiencing not the moral reset that we prayed for with National Days of Prayer, but we are experiencing a rather profound opposite great moral reset, one that is totally contrary to the word, will, and ways of the Lord. That's where we are. Now, if you get a copy of The Secret of the Lord and also Antichrist at the same time, give us a call, order it that way. Instead of paying $5 for each of the books for postage and handling, you'll only pay $7 for the two, so you'll save $3 as between the two books. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, in order to accomplish that special savings, or go to our website, saveus.org. All right, now, we are going to take a look at where this began 
after the sexual revolution that started it in the 1960s. Before we do that, in this next segment, for those of you that are in Massachusetts and Connecticut, in the Northeast, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of listeners there. We have a an annual breakfast that is scheduled there in uh, Agawam, Massachusetts, at the Crestview Country Club for October 23rd. October 23rd, Saturday, from, 11, from 8 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. When we have done these breakfasts, I think we've done at least seven, if not eight of them, and they've all been absolutely terrific. Everybody that has come has been thrilled that they were there. We'll bring all of our books and materials, and uh, it, it just is a great, great time. My wife will speak, I will speak, uh, and the theme is Behold, He Comes. Behold, He Comes. As history and prophecy are converging before our eyes, how do we, as culture and mesh Christians, prepare the way for his coming? But you're going to have to make a reservation. And to make your reservation, you can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or, better yet, you can go to our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. And the web store, saveus.org web store. And choose Viewpoint Breakfast at the top right. The Viewpoint Web Store, saveus.org web store, and go to the top right where it says Viewpoint Breakfast and make your reservation. The breakfast is $28 a person for a full breakfast buffet, and uh, they keep upping the prices. It's just the best that we can do. It's a great breakfast time. Bring a friend, relatives. It's amazing how many people bring others with them for these breakfasts. People cannot believe that they're actually hearing the truth that has escaped for so long. We'll look forward to hearing from you. Be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. Our viewpoint does determine destiny, and our viewpoint concerning how God ordained the moral order. He ordained the moral order because of his creation ordinances. You see, the morality that we talk about is rooted in God 
God's created order. That's why Genesis 1 through 11 is so critical and why uh, disbelievers, agnostics, uh, those who want to quibble with uh, the rest of the Word of God always attack Genesis 1 through 11. Because if that falls, then everything falls. So, just so you know. I received the other day a nice handwritten note from one of our listeners. It says, uh, you're really one of the few spiritual voices that has the courage to talk about the deception taking place today. So thank you for your courage. It's very much like the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Well, uh, sometimes it feels like that. <laughs> sometimes it feels like that. But in any event, uh, we have uh, quite a few listeners who are responding, who are uh, thankful, who are grateful, who send notes, letters, calls, and so on, and increasingly so. Uh, every once in a while, somebody will say, you know, I just happened upon listening on this radio, and I heard this, uh, and it was so amazing. I've not heard anything like this before, and it really gripped my heart. Well, we're so grateful for people who respond that way, and they, they actually become uh, ongo- ongoing listeners then. This is uh, an email that I received from one of our listeners. Uh, actually, uh, he sent this email back in uh, 2014, and then he sent another one uh, last month. He sent another one last month. And so I'm going to uh, share with you the gist of this email. It's fairly long, and we're going to talk about it because it goes right with the great moral reset. Here's what he says. Chuck, I find this topic, the matter of divorce and remarriage, the most taboo of all the topics in the Christian church because it truly is a key issue. For it deals with human relationships in front of God at the building block level. It really divides the believers. Usually the older believers or those who have worked through their marital difficulties and those who seemingly haven't uh, or made very poor life choices. When I talk with more conservative Protestants and Catholics, they are almost unanimous about marriage being a one-shot deal outside of widowhood. In other words, you're married for life. But this um, this listener says, you can see why Christianity in America is going down the tubes. If, if remarriage is sin, when your spouse is still living after a divorce, and you have a whole church, or at least half of it, in terms of numbers in this state of affairs, and there is no acknowledgement of sin and repentance, then where does that take our faith? Now you can see why Christianity in America goes down the tube. As an aside, here in Sacramento, I meet and deal with the Russian-Ukrainian Christian community who emigrated from the former communist uh, countries. 
they are almost unified as a body with about 250,000 believers here of various denominations, Baptist, Pentecostal, Orthodox. They migrated, and for them, divorce and remarriage is not an option. That's the view for believers that was long held and developed in their homeland long before they migrated to America. The few I have talked to about this topic are totally shocked about how American Christians are so casual about keeping their churches from being contaminated by the American church belief system. And so casual about this serious sin. That's why they keep their services for the most part in the Slavic tongue the most that most believers can speak and read English. They suffered for their faith greatly. They don't want to throw everything that was precious and keep them through the communist hill from going down the drain just because they adopted or were infiltrated by the paganized American Christian system. Now, I find this interesting because several years ago, I actually was asked to go to Sacramento, California and speak to one of those Russian-Ukrainian congregations there. Why? Why was I asked to do that? Because I have for many years spoken at one of their congregations in Massachusetts and am scheduled to do that again on October 24th. Why do they ask me to come and speak? Why would they ask a guy who doesn't speak Russian, doesn't speak Ukrainian, has never been to Russia, why would they ask me to go to speak to their congregation, by the way, which is about 2,000 people? Lots of young people. Lots and lots of young people. Millennials, Generation Z, and so on. Why would they ask me to do that? Would you like to know? Because they are seriously troubled by what their young people are experiencing in the great moral reset in this country that is being passively inaugurated and approved by our churches and pastors, even in evangelical congregations. They cannot believe what they're experiencing. And they know where it's leading. It's corrupting their young people. So they asked me to go and speak. Then they actually, on a number of occasions, have set aside a special time to meet with those 30, 35 and under for several hours to be able to talk with them, listen to their questions, respond, and so on. It's a beautiful situation. I just received a call from a pastor in the Russian-Ukrainian church concerning this very issue of marriage and divorce and remarriage and marriage outside of the faith and so on. He said, we need help. Well, friends, our whole country needs help. The church needs help. The evangelical church needs help. The majority of professing Christian pastors in this country approve of marriage, divorce, and remarriage contrary to the Word of God. And they make justification 
They are, they're always looking for loopholes. They make them up. Things you cannot find in the Bible, they make them up in order to justify what they're doing. Because they want the people to feel nice. But they're not feeling nice. The people are becoming more and more disillusioned. They want to feel good for the moment. And they'll go forum shopping to try to find a pastor or a church to tell them what they want to hear. Why? Because they're legalists. They want to search for something in the Bible to try to justify what in their heart they are troubled is not right. In other words, is sinful. But that's what they want to do. And then they'll turn around, maybe sometimes years later. How many times have I had somebody come into my office as a lawyer? Or even now, in the last 30 years since I left the practice of law, how many times have I had people come to me, Christians, and say, you know what, if I'm really honest, I was very troubled about getting married again when my spouse was still living after a divorce. But my pastor said, mm-hmm, that's what they always say, but my pastor said, or I talked to a number of pastors, I even know a preacher who did exactly the same thing. I know of two preachers that did the same thing. Searching for those who would tell them what they wanted to hear because they were intent on doing it anyway. So what does Jesus have to say about it? Do we care? Jesus said, whoever divorces their spouse causes them to commit adultery. That's the first thing he said. The next thing he said is, and whoever marries the one so divorced commits adultery. So, how are you going to avoid committing adultery if you're marrying one who is committed, who is divorced, and their spouse is still living? How are you going to do that? You can't. So you'll find a way to try to reason around it, to justify it, because you know, in your heart of hearts, you know what God thinks about it. Now, the Apostle Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And he said, look, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators nor practicing homosexuals nor adulterers are going to inherit the kingdom of God. Is what what is there about those words you don't understand? You know you understand them exactly because they're plain on their face. There's nothing mysterious about them. They're just plain on their face. But we don't like them. Why don't we like them? Because we have already been participants in the great moral reset. We disagree with God. Now, let's suppose for discussion's sake that Jesus is going to return by this next weekend. I'm not saying that he's going to return by this next weekend, but let's suppose that he were. 
what would you do about this? Anything? What would you do? There was a pregnant silence there to allow you to think about it. What would you do? Now you say, well, there's no compassion in what you're doing. Oh, it's full of compassion, friends, because the eternal consequences are vast beyond our willingness to want to understand. Not inheriting the kingdom of God, not inheriting eternal life, You might say, well, I professed Christ as my Savior 40 years ago at that Billy Graham crusade, and I'm in like Flint. Well, then why did the Apostle Paul, whom you trust for eternal security, why did he say that if you, and he's talking to the church, why did he say that if you are committing fornication, that's sexual sin, adultery, practicing homosexuality, Why did he say that you won't inherit the kingdom of God? The reality is that the only hope that you and I have in those circumstances, or in any circumstance when we have sinned, is to confess it clearly without excuse, not saying, well, my pastor told me. That's not an excuse. What are you going to say on the day of judgment, my good friend? And there will be a day of judgment when the books will be opened. Will your name be written in the book of life? Will you have uh, uh, confessed your sin clearly without excuse? Will you have come with great lament in your heart, realizing how you have displeased the Lord and confess your sin knowing that he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, but will you come clean before him and turn from it? Start embracing those ideas for your friends, leading them into perdition. You see the problem. The great moral reset is deeply ensconced even in the church. Thanks for joining us here today on Viewpoint. Become a partner. Send your gifts by faith, friends, to Save America Ministries. Do it today. Get a copy of the book, Secret of the Lord, Antichrist. You've been listening God bless. To Viewpoint Be a blessing. Chris Meyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.